0: We're looking at the parables of the of Matthew, and so we're looking at the kingdom. Remember, we're talking about the big picture of the kingdom. And so this is our second parable that we're going to be looking at. And it's found in Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30, and then the explanation found in 36 through 43. But let's begin by asking this question. How many of you have asked or been frustrated with God's timing or who he is? We ask questions of, like, is God good? Is God really in control? Is he really caring about me? Does he even understand what's going on? See, we have those kind of questions and we become very frustrated if we're honest. But this parable is talking to us because it's speaking to both the present as well as the future state of the kingdom. And we look to the king, and he defines himself as a farmer, not as a general. That's gonna be important for us to understand. And he begins to tell us, be patient. So as you read through the scripture, I would ask that you would Look with that kind of perspective as we hear these words this morning, starting at verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, "'Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, "'but gather the wheat into the barn.'" Switching over to verse 36. "'Then he left the crowds and went into the house, "'and his disciples came to him, saying, "'Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field.'" And he answered, "'The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. "'The field is the world, "'and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom.'" The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of this age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of the kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But then the righteous will shine like the sun. In the kingdom of their father, he who has ears, let him hear. Let's pray. Father, that's our prayer. Father, those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, may we do so this morning. Father, speak to us. Father, may we hear what it is that you say. And then apply it and live it out. For we pray this in Christ's name, amen. So it's going to be very simple. We're going to look at the parable. We're going to look at the explanation, and Jesus does that for us. But then we're going to look at the application of how does it apply to me. So again, in every passage of scripture, you should be asking these three questions. Who is the story about? Who's it about? Secondly, who is the story written to? And then thirdly, How does it apply to us? So, as we begin this, I want to first look at the parable. But before we get to the parable itself, I want to remind us that we're in the book of Matthew. And again, Matthew is a Jewish person writing to Jewish people, so it's a Jewish audience. And that's important to understand because he's talking to them because they are truly the chosen people. So these are the people that, again, had understood that they were called to the promised land. And not only were they called to the promised land, but they became an instrument of judgment upon other nations. That's what God intended them to be. That's because God was God over them. And so they were doing what God told them to do. That's not the purpose of the church. Very different. Very different. But he's speaking to Jewish people, but not just to any Jewish generation. He's speaking to Jewish people who are under now Roman rule. They're in exile. They don't get to put themselves and govern themselves. They're underneath somebody else. And so again, the Jewish mindset, remember, is we're the chosen nation, and here God has put us underneath these evil Romans, so what he's going to do is he's going to come back and he's going to be this great victorious general He's going to come and he's going to destroy, he's going to wipe out the Romans and make everything easy for us. And so when Jesus comes and he begins to speak to them and say, hey, I'm not coming as this great mighty warrior, I'm coming as a farmer. That is unheard of. What? I mean, think about this, because if you look in your Bibles, you see that obviously we had to skip over some verses, so there's other parables that Jesus was teaching. So again, remember the, the scenario. Jesus goes out from a house. He goes out. There's such a big crowd around them that he actually has to get into the boat and puts himself out into the water so that the people can hear. There's so many people there. And so he's speaking these parables to them, and he tells them about the first one, but then he's out there again, he's talking to the people again, he comes in, he goes back into the house, and the, the disciples say, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Explain to me what's happening. Hey, we get the leaven thing, we get the, we get the other one. What, what are you talking about? That there's going to be reapers and that we're not supposed to pull the weeds out. That doesn't make sense to us, Jesus. Because they wanted to be rid of the political adversaries. Now, before we throw rocks, wouldn't we like that? Wouldn't we like to have a country where we didn't have to deal with issues? Isn't it quick for us to complain about those people? See, we need to apply it because we're called... And we, heaven forbid that you don't think this, America's not the promised land. America's not the quintessential of everything. And I say this as someone who's served. I say this as, as an American, someone who loves this country. But this is not our home. But we're supposed to preach the gospel here. And you should thank God that he has placed you here. You are the seed. But he says, it's far greater than this nation. It's the whole world. And God says, it's all mine. Now, I want you to keep that in mind as we begin to look at the parable itself. And it's very simple, right? He starts already saying, there's two sowers. There's a good sower who put good seed down, and there's an evil sower, an enemy. He puts the bad seed down. But what is that seed? Well, first of all, he doesn't say, hey, God came in with this mighty army for this great victory. He didn't say he's bringing in D-Day or V-E-Day. He said it's a seed. Now, I don't know about you, but seeds take a long time to grow. It becomes very frustrating. You don't throw seeds out there and then expect to see the fruit the next day. But that's how we want Jesus to work. Jesus fixed this now. And Jesus says he throws out the good seed and we are told in the scripture that it becomes wheat. But there's also the bad seed that was sown that happens at night and it's called, and, and we just have weeds. If you have weeds, I want you to, if you're really um, okay with Jesus, mark it out. And I want you to write in your Bibles. Yes, your pastor's telling you, write in your Bibles. And write this word, Darnell. Darnell, write it down. I'm not seeing people move their things. That's right, Neil Ferguson, write in your Bible right now. Darnell. Now, this comes very specifically from a Greek word. Now, darnel, it's actually, it can only grow, there's a couple things, it can only grow in a cultivated field, and it can only live if man takes care of it. Ugh. But it looks exactly like wheat when it's growing up, so that you can't tell the difference between the wheat stalk and the darnel. But now darnel was used in, uh, to kill people, It's a fungus. So people would also use it to kind of give, and I'm not lying about this, they would use it to put it in their beer to give it a little bit of a kick. So what it meant was it made you intoxicated. That's the only purpose, and if you get too much of it, it kills you. Yay, I'm drinking. (laughs) So it's only about treachery, and it's only about toxicity. Hmm. But that's what the evil one sows. So there's the darnel, there's the wheat, but then he talks about the field. Now there is some discrepancy here about what is it that he means in regards to the world. Is he talking about the whole world or is he talking about the church? Okay? Now there are people who are way smarter than I am, that are way more reformed than I am that would say it's the church. And that God has created a mixed body of people. So there are people sitting here who are Christians. And there are people sitting here who are not Christians. And we're just having to live together. I'm going to go against even some of those people. I believe it's the whole world. It is the word that it says. Okay? And I believe it's the whole world because of how God um, has Christ explain it. So I'll leave that for a little bit longer. Okay. The the next thing is the growth. Okay. So they both grow up and they're similar. So there's deception that's there. You can't make a distinction. True life story. I have a friend um, and he was a part of an accountability group for over 30 years, 30 years in accountability group. And after 30 years, one of the members um, said, I've been lying to you guys the whole time. 30 years of lying to other Christian men, men who shared their hearts with him, who walked through hard times with him and stuff like that. And he says, I've been lying the whole time. I just didn't want you guys to be thinking bad about me. See, we can be deceptive. There are people who could say, yeah, I'm a Christian who really have nothing to do with Christ. But there's others who we think have nothing to do with Christ who are really sold out in their hearts to Jesus. So it becomes deceptive in regards to the, what happens. And, and you understand what the servants did, wanted to do? And it's not a bad desire. They said, hey, do you want us to go out and rip out the bad stuff? We'll go right now. We'll go rip it out. But Jesus says no. Why? Well, we'll look at that in a minute. So how do you tell the difference if they're so similar? They have different fruit. So real life, wheat becomes golden brown. Or maybe even we can take the coloring a little bit to golden, sun golden. Darnell, when it becomes fruit and the fungus is black. So that it's very distinctive in regards to its fruit. But then there's the harvest. And So what happens? Well, God sends the harvesters, and we know that they're the angels because Jesus tells us. But the harvesters are able to distinguish the good from the bad fruit. So they whip up all the Darnell, and they take that and they burn it. But then they gather all the wheat into the barn for the master. Now, Jesus goes on to explain this, and again, it's, I think it's good that the disciples are coming and saying, whoa, 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 whoa! please explain to us this parable because I don't think we're getting it. And so Jesus does. And so he comes back and he says, hey, here are the, here's the sow, sowers, the two. The good one, it's Jesus. He says, I'm the son of man, and I'm the one who is going out, again, as a farmer, not as a fighter, And I want you to understand that I'm spreading my seed in all the world. And the enemy is very specifically the devil. And so the devil comes and he spreads his seed. Now what is that seed? The seed, according to Jesus, is the sons of the kingdom. That's us. So he's not talking specifically about the gospel, even though gospel is a part of who we are. He's saying the sons of the kingdom. So we talk about there being, again, the invisible church and the visible church what's the difference well you're all right now because you're sitting here part of the visible church just because you're sitting here does not necessarily mean that you're a christian okay and there's a famous quote just because you stand in a garage doesn't make you a car right so just because you come just because you hear these things because you're a moral person doesn't mean that you're saved but Jesus is saying there are the sons of the kingdom. These are the Christians, but there's also the sons of the evil one. Now, here is where we make the connection, because remember, it's hard. It's a deceptive. So this is where religion, spirituality, morality start to take place. Because there are people who come and talk to me and say, I, I don't have to worry about Jesus, or I don't have to worry about the whole Bible being true or anything like that, because this is what I believe, This is what I think. The moment that you become the foundation or the standard of holiness, that's not a church I want to be a part of. It has to be the truths of the scripture, and it's all scriptures. We don't get to pick and choose. And so it's all of scripture that we have to run to because again, men are so easy to get to religion, to morality, to spirituality. It's just about being nice to one another. Yep. And when we try to be nice to each other, here's the the truth. You can't be in your own power. You might for a little bit. But I'm telling you, you can't do it in your own power very long. Why? Because our hearts are evil. I know I'm not the only jerk in this, in this building. I know you know it because you guys hear it every week. And I'm thankful for that because some people t- don't say about your sin all the much. What I never want you to do is to think that I have like some bat line to God. That because I'm the pastor, I'm holy and therefore don't deal with any of the sins you deal with. I'm just as sinful, if not more sinful. And believe me, I've had dreams. It used to be, hey, oh, my, when I have a church, it won't be like this church, because I'll be the pastor, and this church will be perfect, and everyone will love each other, and all the small groups will grow, and everyone will be accepted, and everything will be good. All the food will be good. No one will ever make bad stuff there won't be any bad timing of events. There it's all going to be perfect. Well, you know when it gets messed up? When I attend. And when you attend. Cuz we're all messed up. So there is no perfect. And so there's the reality that the seed is being taken and it's being taken into all the world. Now again, we look at the growth. Now here's the problem. We look, according to Scripture, 1 Samuel 16, 7, we look at the outside. And God looks at the heart. Okay? And again, I was telling Sunday school uh, this morning, sometimes I question even my own heart if I'm a Christian sometimes. And if you don't think that about yourself every once in a while, then you don't know your own heart. And I told him so the, the place where I have met the meanest, nastiest people has been in the church. It's also where I have found the most loving and giving and humble people. But you're both. And so what happens is that sometimes we get overly zealous to rip out. The fruit. So here's the problem. Most of us would have looked at King David and said, you're out. Get out of this church. What did you do? You weren't where you were supposed to be. You weren't upholding your end of the bargain. You should have been out at war with your armies, but you didn't. You stayed home, you lazy jerk. And not only that, then you went up on your roof, and then you became a peeping David But you didn't stop there; you lingered, and only that—that none of you just lingered. Then you took someone else's wife, and then you lied about it, and you covered it up, and you became a murderer. You should go to hell for what you've done. You definitely get out of our church because we don't need you, we don't want you here. We don't need your kind. Hmm. How quickly we go to the moment of someone's sin and want to pass judgment. I want to rip you apart for the things that you've done and you don't deserve the grace of Jesus Christ. See, it's probably a good thing we don't know people's hearts. (laughs) Because we don't know our own. So what's the difference? The difference was when David was confronted with the sin, he repented. When we are confronted with our sin, whether it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us, whether it's other people speaking to us in the church, our family members. Do your children have the right to come to you and say, Dad, this is where you're in sin. Do you know who pays for your bills, boy? Do you know whose bed it is that you sleep in? Do you know whose food you put in your mouth? You shut up. Hmm. Hmm. We need to not become overzealous to begin to pass judgment, but we allow God to be God. Now, that does not mean, and hear me very clearly, that we don't do church discipline. Church discipline is a biblical thing. The Apostle Paul dealt with the Corinthian church and he dealt with them on both extremes. One time they're too lax. Remember, the son is having relationships with the father's wife? That's wrong. And we don't just sit back in the church and go, well, people are going to be people, sin's going to be sin. But we also don't become too harsh. Just a few chapters later, they started to say to people who've repented and have been forgiven and said, You can't come back to the Lord's Supper. You're not welcome anymore. Both extremes are wrong. What's the purpose of us repenting? It's to restore the sinner. And here's the cool thing, and I hope you get this you're not the Savior. And neither am I. That's why you don't come and confess to me. You go to Jesus. He's the only one who can forgive and forgive perfectly. So we see this growth happening, but then there's a time of harvest. And again, Jesus is very specific. He says the one who's going to come and he's going to rip up the harvest are angels. And they're going to know the difference. He doesn't, listen, he doesn't allow the church to do this. Do you see that? He doesn't say, hey, my apostles come and they're going to rip it up. My church is going to go out and rip it up. No, he said the angels are going to go do it. They're going to be the ones to harvest. But here's for all of us who are saying, How long, O Lord? Judgment is coming. And it's coming on both. And so the evil ones are going to be picked up and they're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. But for those who know Christ, he calls them righteousness. Now, whose righteousness is that? It's Jesus's, it's not ours. And he said, theirs is the kingdom, and they'll shine like the sun. And I want you to change the U to an O. You should shine like the sun, Jesus Christ. That's where we should go. So Jesus explains, now if I was smart, I would stop there. But I'm not, so I'm going to Continue. What's the application that we take from this? A couple of things. One, we should be alert to the schemes of the devil. Oh, sorry. Went over a whole point. Thank you. Schemes of the devil we should be aware of. Second Corinthians 2 says this. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. And he goes on. So that you would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. So in this parable... God is giving to us another way that Satan uses schemes to come and affect the spreading of the gospel message. And I want to give you a couple others. The first one that he gives to us is intimidation. So when Satan comes and he brings opposition to us. Some of us start to get scared. But to see, it doesn't even have to be Satan coming and intimidating us. Sometimes it could be us becoming intimidated by, I just can't say anything at work. I, I, I just can't say anything in the locker room. I, I can't say anything to my neighbors. I, I, I can't say anything. I definitely can't say anything when I'm in the grocery line. I mean, that people are behind me. I can't talk to to waitresses and waiters that way. I mean so so we start to get intimidated so what happens the gospel's silenced it just doesn't go out another way that satan does it is by infiltration you know what i'm talking about a thumble. god allows people to infiltrate the church with false teaching don't believe me turn on the tv go to some other churches come back of course but if you want to see what's out there it's amazing what people say is truth and what happens is they start doing it by these they start saying little nuances we're all inclusive at that church So are we saying? That would be like saying, "Yeah, come to the gym, fat and overweight, look at the machines and stay fat and overweight. If you're going and you're using the materials and you're going and using the weight machines and you're doing the diets and stuff like that, you're going to change. If you come to a church that's preaching the gospel, you cannot stay the way that you are when you come in. Can't happen because the Bible and the Spirit work to change you. So don't buy into the lies of the false things because, listen, the, the problem is is because they start to imitate the real church. And where there's a problem is they start using language that we understand. If you're loving, you will be all-inclusive. Well, I can be all-inclusive and still say that There's sin. Well, no, 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 no. If, if you really love the way that Jesus lived, Jesus confronted people's sin. Now he walked with them and he walked through it. But listen, he even told people, remember when Jesus goes up and he heals the, the person with the demons and he goes into Samaria and he has the, the relationship, um, the connection with the woman at the well? He doesn't allow them. He doesn't allow them to come with him. He says, stay here. Now, when Jesus goes back through, what has happened? That whole bad area has been changed by the gospel. Why? Because Jesus said, now that you know who I am, go and tell everybody else. Go and be the seed of righteousness. What's going to be more attractive? For you to be the seed among other Christians here, because again, we all lie to each other. How are you doing? Fine. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are things going? Great. What's Jesus in your life? I'm blessed. We'll even raise a little hand. I'm blessed. Really. I go out there with my friends from Cocoa Beach High School, um, and we're going to have a service for one of our friends and stuff like that. They're going to know that there's a difference between me and other people. Are we going to be real and be the seed? Both places need it. Do you understand that? Both. So we need to be aware of the schemes that God has for us, but we also have to understand that we are supposed to be about sowing and harvesting. And again, it's a heart issue. Here's the thing we all can go there. Um, I became, well, I had to conf- I'm confessing sins all over the place right now. It's so easy to become self-righteous. So I was meeting with a friend this past week, going through a horrible divorce, um, and, uh, and I know that he's repentant, and, but he's been cast away from his extended family. They don't have anything to do with him. They don't want to talk to him, and they are going to church. And I'm just like, those evil, nasty, sin-encrusted, self-righteous. And it's like, point the finger at me. Because what was very telling was the person that I was talking to said, why would I ever say anything bad against the woman that I love? Well, let me do it for you because I've got plenty of things to say. This isn't right. This isn't fair. We don't want right and fair from God. We want mercy and we want grace. And God says, now as you have received, now go and give mercy and grace. So we don't know people's hearts, so Jesus tells us to go and continually to proclaim over and over and over and over and over and over and if you're getting annoyed, I hope so. And over and over and over again. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Where? To everyone and everywhere. Because you don't know. But Pastor Jeff, I've been preaching to people for a long time. They're not Christians. Wait. That's something that God is telling us all the time. Wait. Wait. And if you're not frustrated by that, then, then you're not a real person. You don't think Abraham and Sarah were overwhelmed waiting 20 years for the promise? A promise by God that he told them. I promise this will happen. 20 years. And I think I'm a pretty good pastor. I, I'm, I'm a pretty loving pastor. I don't think, I haven't even been here 20 years. So there's nothing that I've prayed for anybody here for 20 years. Nothing. And God says, But I'm faithful. And I never forget. And it's always in the right time for the right purposes, the right place to do the right things. So when you find yourself getting frustrated, when you start asking the question, like the title says, How long, oh Lord, wait? Because God is good. He's always faithful, and judgment is coming. But make no mistake, he will judge, and not us. So may God use us as sons of righteousness to go into all the world to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, and to set captives free. Maybe we should do what the Savior did. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we're so in tune, especially this day, that you are our dad. And Lord, I know so many times we're like those kids, especially back in the old days where we sat in station wagons and we didn't have mobile phones, we didn't have things and we had to play Bingo with cars, license plates, and weird things like that. And we kept asking the question, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Father, I'm so glad that you're a good father. And you love us, and you've loved us perfectly before the foundation of the world. And may we grow deeper and deeper in that understanding But Father, I'm grateful that you are the one who knows men's hearts. So, Father, allow us to become less judgmental, less zealous to go rip up the Darnell. But that we would wait for the good farmer, our perfect dad, the perfect savior to do what he's called to do. And Father, may we be found faithful in the meantime. May we truly be found faithful preaching the gospel to ourselves, to others, to the lost. May we be healing the sick. And may we be setting people free from their captivity so they might run the one and only Savior Jesus Christ because it's in his name and to his glory we pray and all God's people said Amen. Amen